Welcome to another episode of Daddy Unscripted, featuring my daddy. This episode is with a dad that my dad met on Twitter. Isn't social media amazing? So let my dad give you the full story. But we hope you enjoyed this episode with Austin. Take it away, Daddy. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Daddy Unscripted podcast. I am the host and creator, Tim Wheaton, and today I'm going to be sitting in with Austin Ike, who, as my daughter told you, I met through Twitter through the joy and celebration of being uh, Red Sox fans together. So we've been tweeting back and forth for quite a while and talking over the internet, and he's a uh, stay-at-home dad of three beautiful girls, and once the podcast started kind of taking shape, it just kind of became obvious that he would be a good, different feel to the show, um, not only being a stay-at-home dad, but but also with his specific circumstances that he has at home, which you will hear about in this episode. So uh, I hope you enjoy this episode with me and Austin. This is my first remote episode, so it will the audio is a little bit different than my other ones, but very listenable all the same. So enjoy. All right. So today our episode is going to be with Austin. Uh, Austin, I'm going to make the horrible uh, thing of, I'm assuming you pronounce your last name Ike. Well done. Oh, okay. Phew. Um, Austin Ike, which is, which is of what descent? Germanic. Germanic. Okay. That's what I figured. I went with Reich without the R <laughs> for your pronunciation of it. The, uh, the, loose, the loose translation is oak. Oh, as in oak tree? Right. Oh, I like it. That's very yeah. strong. Like you word you know strong as oak kind of thing yeah mine is uh i have strong germanic root germanic germanic roots um but uh i don't know i don't think wheaton comes from there and as strong as an oak tree is a field of wheat is very flimsy so i'm really excited to be um pitted against the oak tree I didn't realize this was going to be a contest, and frankly, I don't think I've ever had a, a dialogue revolving around the the, the origins of, uh, of of two surnames. It's very interesting. Yeah, the uh, last name competition is is a lost art form, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, so, Austin, I basically fell uh, into communication with through the world's Twitter. That's basically it. And through our common uh, love of the Boston Red Sox. And funny enough, uh, Austin, I, I, I meant to tell you this before, but I didn't. I, for a while, once the podcast finally got its legs and was getting ready to go, I kept putting out random tweets like, I'm looking for a a uh, good Boston Red Sox fan that's a dad that has an interesting story and can hold a good uh, conversation. And I kept kind of putting it out there and a couple of people would like it and nobody would ever respond or anything. And one day 
I, I don't remember. I don't think he said anything to me, but I remembered that uh, Jared had a podcast and obviously as a Red Sox person. And so I sent a tweet, not to him, but just put it out there publicly like, Jared might be a great person for the podcast. And he replied and said, I am not a dad, not that I know of, so I might not be great for your podcast. And I recall that, yes, yes. Oh, do you, it, <laughs> yeah. was, it was funny because it was actually you that I was thinking of at that time, but uh, it, it just went to, like, I transferred you being a dad onto him and uh, had to apologize and tell him that I didn't know anything that he didn't know about any illegitimate children. So that was kind of a funny interaction. So it'll be good when this gets out that he uh, realizes that I truly do not know anything with any exes that he may have little carabases going around the world. I uh, knew Austin through Twitter and you have uh, quite the connection as well with many uh, Red Sox nationers. And I'm sure, I don't think I noticed last year during football season, but um, I'll probably notice this year that you probably have a large uh, Packer fan connection as well. Correct. How, how do, uh, maybe I, I'm just going to do this in this episode and whatever, I'll deal with the heat that we don't do it in the next episode. How do your uh, Red Sox nation people love your Packer posts and vice versa. You know, there's, there's some dialogue. Uh, usually it's, it, it's pretty respectful. I found that the, the lion's share of, of Patriots fans actually are, uh, more, more or less, uh, amenable to the Packers. They're, they're out of the conference um, they're not a rival. Uh, they have a storied history. Uh, and, and a lot of the, the Red Sox fans that I do talk to about, about football are, are just very accepting. So it's certainly not, uh, uh, it's not a, uh, contentious situation by any means. Right. It's not but, like you're a Jets fan or something like that. Exactly. Uh, Jets, yeah. Jets, Dolphins, Bills. Oh, God help me, the uh, the slander that is thrown yeah. on, the, on the timeline. I just steer clear. Uh, I'm kind of like that Homer Simpson gif where he just walks back into the bushes. Um, I, I just pretend I'm I'm not I'm not there. Uh, baseball is my first love and, and passion. I, you know, I I love the Packers and football, but uh, uh, when it's at the height of baseball season like it is now, it just it's hard to talk too much about it. But uh, actually, only. I think it's about 50 days until the NFL season gets underway. Yeah, I saw that today on Twitter. Somebody posted that. Yeah. Uh, and especially it was a good reminder with Gronk throwing out the first pitch last night. And um, uh, who was it that was somebody was doing BP for them today? I think it was Edelman. Yes. And, and, and he was fielding. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was fielding uh, next to the mighty mayor. Yes. He, yes. He was, he was at shortstop, um, uh, and, uh, looked pretty impressive and drew some rave reviews. He hit a couple of, he had a couple shots over the monster. 
Yeah, um, so, I heard he hit like four into the monster seats or something. Yeah, it, it, it was ridiculous, and that uh, seemed to obviously bode well with uh, Patriots fans, especially as far as you know conditioning and preparedness for the upcoming season. I've actually really liked Julian Edelman as a as a player for for a long time, so I I always have a soft spot for the for the Patriots in that regard. And then there's Rob Gronkowski, and let's be honest. How can you not like that guy? Yeah, seriously. You 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 have to basically kind of have a little bit of a black soul or just hate life a little bit if you can't get into Gronk. You clearly have a no fun police badge. <laughs> yeah. Like Gronk. I, I I'm sorry. You you can criti- criticize him for the partying and everything, but he seems like a guy that's got it together and from what I understand, I don't think he spent a dime of his uh of his actual uh, contract money that he's made. I think, I think he lives off of his endorsements. So, I believe it. So there's some, some business savvy there and you got to respect that. Yeah. We just watched him on the uh, Disney uh, kids choice sports awards this week. So the joy of having kids enables you to know about all of his, uh, he even has a show now on the, I think it's on the Disney channel and not on Nick. That's basically a sports bloopers or something like that kind of show. It's one of those two. I, I can't speak to which one it is, but I've seen commercials for it. Yeah. That, that's all I can speak up to that. So uh, anyway, we've gotten already way off track. So my apologies. No, it's, it's my fault. Um, so we know that you, have three little girls. What are what are their ages? My oldest is Charlotte, and she is nine, or she would like to tell you nine and a half. Of course. December 27th, baby. So you get jammed right in between Christmas and New Year's, and you become kind of the forgotten child. Oh, yeah. With respect to birthdays. So we always do a half-birthday celebration with her. Elena is six, and then Adelaide, my youngest, is four. Oh, Fantastic naming by you and your wife. Thank you. Uh, we we're we're very much traditionalists uh, when it comes to names. Um, I know some people like to be more creative, although sometimes I find creative to be a euphemism for a little bit out there. So let's go since you kind of touched on it with um, your background and uh, your wanting to stick with your family names, why don't we go back into your uh, family history as far as it makes sense to go back, whether that is just to your dad or if it makes sense and is uh, something of grand interest to go back even further in your line. But uh, let's hear the story of your own father. Well, my father uh, is a... uh is uh, every bit a businessman. He's been in the car business for the last 32 years. Uh, he's uh, His official title is a comptroller. He's basically a, a financial officer. He's always been very, uh, uh, very keen with, with money and has, has a passion for, for, for cars uh, throughout his life. Uh, but actually before that, he was a farmer and uh, farmed for several years at, uh, uh, I don't professionally uh, as an adult. He also did throughout his childhood. Um, my family farm 
here in South Dakota started in the 50s uh, after my grandfather uh, completed World War II and spent a few years in Minnesota. There was an opportunity to come over here. Uh, my ancestors, the, the original Ikes that came over from Germany, uh, arrived to South Dakota in the 1860s and uh, started a farm by a small town named Epiphany. And that's actually still in operation today, wow. over 140 years later, uh, run by one of my dad's cousins. Um, so it's nice to keep that in the family. But yeah, yeah, different, a, a long line uh, of farmers, uh, of which I am not uh, in any way, shape, or form. I did marry a farmer's daughter, but that's about the most I can claim with uh, respect to agricultural knowledge. Uh, but uh, in any event, that's, uh, that's kind of where that goes. Uh, I grew up on a farm until I was age seven, uh, and then we, we moved uh, to... We moved to the northern end of the state to a, to a city so my dad could pursue his career that he still continues to this day. Uh, but uh, yes, the first seven years of my life on a farm and dad was a farmer and it was a dairy farmer uh, up at five every morning. You milk twice a day, once in the morning and once in the evening. Uh, you had maybe a half hour for lunch. Dad's always been very structured. He still carries that through to, the, to this day. Uh, he lives in a small town where I, we all graduated from high school, me, my brother, my mom, my dad, and many relatives. So there's a, a strong family bond there. Uh, but you know, he lives five minutes away from work and he will drive home to eat and spend 20 minutes and then drive back. So he doesn't take more than a half hour. He's always been very committed to work. Uh, his ethic is, uh, impeccable in my opinion, uh, it's something I've always tried to emulate, uh, but uh, I've never been able to uh, to duplicate. But uh, that's that's the one thing that always sticks out about my dad is uh, is his commitment uh, to work. But it goes beyond that: his commitment to family and to his faith. Um, and I can see where he gets it from from his his father, my grandfather, who is going to be ninety six next week. And wow. still in relatively good health. Um, he is in a nursing home with, with grandma, but uh, they've been married for 73 years. Uh, and we've been really blessed to, uh, to have them in our lives all this time. And, and I get to share my kids, their grandchildren, uh, share that time. And it's almost like going back in time. It, rem it reminds me when mom and dad would take me to visit grandma and grandpa. It still seems uh, very much the same. And, uh, and that's always been, that's always been very special, special to me. Um, you know, my dad, he demanded that I do my best. He wasn't one who, um, saw the need for me to overachieve every time, but he certainly wasn't one to, uh, uh to just let slide by any time, uh, I decided to become derelict in any duty that I had. So, uh, you know, I had, I had been working since I was 14, you know, I was found importance in a job to have that kind of responsibility. And I worked at age 14 and then, um, and all through high school and, and college. And, uh, and of course, uh, now it's a little bit different. Uh, but I, I did spend 
uh, a good seven years in the public sector, both in South Dakota and Wisconsin, uh, working and uh, in a, with a government and quasi-government relationship. And that's another interest that my father has always had is, uh, is governance and how that works. And I remember the discussions on the importance of voting and uh, how we need to be good stewards of our community, our, our state and our nation. So those have always resonated well with me, and and I know he gets that from Grandpa. Uh, my grandfather Lawrence is a World War II veteran. Uh, he spent two years uh, in Germany, both uh, during the war and post-war, uh, with the POW rescue, which I just found about within the last couple of years. I had no idea, wow. um, so I'm always eager to ask him more questions about that. I've started a journal. So I can pass that information on to my children and they can pass that on uh, as part of that greatest generation narrative. Uh, but uh, he was uh, part of the Battle of the Bulge. He was engineering company. Uh, they built bridges uh, that moved tanks and troops uh, into battle and, uh, and helped with, the, with the, the European theater facet of the war. And my mom's dad uh, saw heavy combat, survived, uh, and in North Africa, Italy, and Germany. Uh, so I've always had, throughout my life, uh, a strong sense of, uh, of uh, nationality, uh, of, of citizenship, and, and, and what's important, sacrifice, and, and, and those sorts of terms. Uh, I never served. Um, that was the thing that scared me to death. I, I, I was not physically, nor I was neither physically nor mentally capable to, to handle that, but it was something I always admired. Um, and I still carry it to this day. And I try to re remind my children that, uh, that people make sacrifices. So, so we can live the way that we do. Uh, yeah. but, so, uh, so oh, quickly, I, or I'm going to uh, maybe not even quickly, uh, were they both serving at the same time? They were. And they, okay. So they did not know each other were in, um, completely different areas. And your dad's dad, who was very German, but was there as part of the U S military forces. Correct. Okay. So, and was in Germany doing that you're saying yes he was part of an engineering company uh building bridges uh moving uh, uh moving company headquarters from location to location that's that's wild i mean obviously i'm not telling you anything you don't know but that's very fascinating that they were both uh doing that at the same time and that your grandpa's old heritage and whatever was German and that he was there. That's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. He's very much, a, a, you know, pro pro nationalist in the, you know, as far as be, being an American uh, far enough removed from the old country, but uh, uh, just hearing those stories from the greatest generation really, really move me and motivate me. Uh, it's interesting. They grew up, they both grew up uh, in South Dakota, but uh, in different, uh, different parts of the state. Uh, so they're, 
lives really never crossed paths until much later. Ironically, my dad had my grandpa, my mom's dad, as a teacher in high school. No way. Yes. Way. <laughs> small, small, uh, well, I mean, not that South Dakota is a small state, but. Uh, uh, geographically, no population, yes. But yeah, the, yeah. I, I got to think the percentages are pretty low uh, with that happening. But uh, yeah. uh, just a, a, a quick segue, because I love this story. My, my grandfather was very old school. Uh, he, he's, he's no longer living, my mom's dad. But if he were alive today, he, you know, the, uh, the Clint Eastwood gif, you know, the get off my lawn. Yeah. That's, that's, that's Francis. That's my grandpa. Um, and, and he, I, I can't imagine what would happen to him in this day and age if he did so. But in the late sixties and throughout the seventies, uh, he was very big on, on not only decorum, but on dress, how you looked. Mm-hmm. And of course, back in the 70, 70s, you know, the you didn't want to tuck in your shirt. You leave those shirt tails out. Oh yeah. He would walk behind students, pull the tail out if if it were not tucked in. He would take a scissors and he would cut them off. Oh my god. And I just can't imagine the, the outrage uh, yeah. that that would ensue in this day and age. But uh, but back then it was entirely acceptable. Wow. Yeah. So did they, I don't know how long ago he passed away, but I'm assuming they sat down together and had conversations regarding their time in the military together. Uh, if they did, it was cursory at best. Um, okay. I only found this out after, after my grandpa Murphy is, is my mom's maiden name after my grandpa Murphy passed. Uh, grandpa Ike would always say, you know, Newt, that was his nickname. He said, yeah, Newt through, went through a lot of stuff and, uh, he saw, uh, some of the worst that world war II had to offer. So he was very tight lipped. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember trying to get to interview him in eighth grade. Uh, and he would talk about everything but the war. He would not talk about it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I was very angry at him at the time. Uh, and, and, uh, and I, and I understand now why, uh, you know, but, uh, I, I think they just, uh, acknowledged each other's service to country and kind of left it at that. Uh, okay. So, uh, lots of relics that he did bring back from Germany. Um, so those, those items do tell a story, but I never got the story from him. Going back to the main road of um your childhood sorry we i wanted to touch on that a little bit oh that's fine your dad then as he is um as you guys are moving to the city and he is then uh chasing his dream of being a of his dream of being a car salesman or, or his dream of just not being a farmer <laughs> well uh and and not car sales uh he was the uh the financial officer comptroller is the, is, is his title. But oftentimes I use that term and I just get the blank look, blank look. Dad just always had a thing for numbers and financial sense. Mm -hmm. He went, he went to school to college 
for a business degree, which he received. And he was actually doing something similar for a, an international implement dealership, agricultural equipment, and he oversaw the financial side of that. And he did that for about five years uh, until his brother, uh, his youngest brother was tragically killed in a truck accident. Uh, and this brother, Dean, was supposed to take over the family farm. Well, with Dean be no longer being there, and then his older brother, Marv, being the only one on the farm, uh, Dad felt a certain obligation uh, to continue the family farm. It wasn't going to work otherwise. Uh, so mm -hmm. he, he put on, on hold that pursuit and, and farmed uh, until about 1984. And then that's when he got an opportunity to move to a more populous area and uh, serve in a capacity as uh, for financial oversight of an automotive dealership. He's always enjoyed cars, and I think it was that merging of cars and uh, and the business side together that uh, that really drew him into that, and he's been doing that ever since. So you uh, moved there. How old were you when you guys moved? I was I was seven, so I was in the middle of second grade, and had made some good connections as a child and then went to an entirely new area. And, uh, it was a very challenging transition for me, not necessarily in that first year, but through that seven year span of while we lived in Aberdeen was the name of the town that we moved to while we lived there. Um, uh, it just wasn't the same. And, uh, unfortunately it was a town that, uh, uh, I hate using the word click, but uh, certainly was a town that uh, that people seem to have, you know, identified certain friendships early on. You just kind of needed to be there the whole time to be part of it. So I always felt like I was floating on the outside. Mm -hmm. So that was, a, that was a challenge for me. It was, a, it was a great opportunity for my dad. It was a challenge for me. And then my younger brother started school there. So it wasn't a problem for him. Did you stay in state for your college or no? I did. I did. I attended the University of South Dakota, uh, which was about an hour and a half from my hometown, from Madison. It's only an hour from Sioux Falls, where I live now. Uh, and, and that was a tremendous experience for me. Um, I completed my undergraduate degree there as well as my graduate degree. Met my wife there. Very fond memories, much, much better memories with respect to school at the collegiate level as opposed to the high school level, which I imagine encompasses a, a fair number of Americans. So, yeah, I wanted to go to law school um, and I, I, I did not do particularly well on my on my LSAT. So that, that was a dream I had to let go. I enrolled in the, uh, the master's in public administration program, which I, which I really enjoyed. Um, I've always been fascinated by, by law, by government, uh, by, by governing and uh, wanted to learn more about that. And after I got my master's, uh, I had an internship with a regional planning agency. Uh, it's a six county area 
focusing on land use planning, zoning, community development. Um, and that internship, I parlayed into a full-time job, which I did for four years. And then we moved to Wisconsin. And then instead of at the, at the regional level, and working with a multitude of governmental entities uh, in Wisconsin, I worked with one municipality. I was, I was 30. I turned 30 that last year we were in Wisconsin in June. And then in August, we moved back. My wife had completed her residency at the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin uh, and had a job offer, actually had two job offers back here in Sioux Falls, uh, which is the largest city in, in South Dakota. And that's, that's where my, my journey as a stay-at-home dad began. Uh, I actually did look for work for a short amount of time. Uh, this was about eight months after we had moved back. And it was just Charlotte. And she was only, uh, you know, a, a year old at the time. And I had a job offer. But I had that job offer at the same time I had a good six to eight months of being with her every day and taking care of her and taking care of the house and seeing how easy it was for my wife to, to work and come home and I would take care of Charlotte and I would have food on the table for supper. Uh, it just, it just became an enjoyable routine for me. And, uh, and I haven't, and I haven't looked back. I do not regret not taking that job. Um, and so here I am, uh, it'll be nine years in August as a full-time stay at home dad, or as they make you fill out on, uh, certain worksheets, a homemaker. Homemaker. Yes. Homemaker. Really trying to get the dagger in on you. I, 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 I I kind of embrace it as a term of endearment now. Uh, you, know, you, used to, you used to look at that and you're like, oh, dear. And I'm like, no. They're like, no, seriously, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a homemaker. I make the home. So you build home. You're saying you're an architect or are you? <laughs> it's enjoyable to have fun with people from time to time. But yeah. I'm like, I'm serious. I, I'm a stay-at-home parent. And they look at me like I'm a, I'm a leper or something. Yeah, totally. So you're a single dad then? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine. I I can imagine also because I did that for, well, I was working. I, I was very fortunate. I had a job that I was able to work at home and quote, very big air quotes around those words because uh, it's, I'm sure you can imagine it was very difficult to be able to get a full day's uh, work in with a uh, one. No, I guess my wife probably went back to work at about the three month range from three months to I think Delilah was probably about two or so when we swapped roles. But yeah, I worked at home remotely for all that time with our daughter. And, uh, I got those when I talked about that and said, my wife was away at work. Well, what, where's who's watching the baby? Oh, well I am. Oh, so you're not working. Oh no, I'm working. (laughs) 
So I, I kind of know though it, it was for a much briefer time than what you are doing. And, uh, I, I, my hat is off to anybody stay at home moms, stay at home dads. It is a huge responsibility. It's a tough job. Uh, it's difficult to get that adult time in. Thank God for Twitter though. Right. Twitter is my release valve. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, uh, Unfortunately, sometimes my children want to become uh, a part of Twitter, which is all right. I tweet out the pictures. Um, They love it. They love to have their pictures taken. And Daddy, how many likes did that get? Uh, (laughs) I I, I will not label my children as narcissistic, but but I, I just think it's a genuine interest in understanding that there's something larger out there. Yeah, uh, that, that there's a larger world out there that you and I, as kids, you know, had no idea. Oh, geez, no. We're not. We were not open to that kind of. We didn't have the have the technology, but uh, but they 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 like they like to share my passion, um, and I I'm allowed to say things on Twitter that I'm not allowed to say verbally in yes. the household, or at least yes. at, at least could exercise discretion in not yeah. saying, but. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they they love it, and you know, tw- Twitter has just been a, a great release for me for for connecting with people. I, I I talk mostly sports, but I do follow some great stay-at-home dads, and there are always some some wonderful stories about there uh, out there about you know how they're making sacrifices for their children. Um, you know, their 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 wives are working very hard to to contribute. Um, to their family, you know, financially and, you know, being the breadwinner. And, uh, you know, some people will ask me if I have a particular problem or, uh, with not being the breadwinner. And frankly, who cares who's bringing home the money? Yeah. Um, you know, so we, we, I mean, that's just a necessary evil. Someone has to work, someone has to make the money, but we've been blessed, uh, with her career path that I can make a conscious choice about whether or not I want to go back to work. And someday perhaps I will. Adelaide, who's four, is only going to be in her second year of preschool uh, this August. So there's still a little time, and I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But um, the way I deflect it back to people is, would if you had this opportunity, if your spouse made sufficient amount of money for you to live comfortably without you entering the workforce, would you rather get a job and have someone else raise your children? Essentially, would you want to entrust someone else with your children or would you want to invest your time as a father with your children? Um, and for me, the, the choice was, was simple I didn't have a lot of time with my dad, not because he was neglectful, but because he was very busy. Like I said, as a dairy farmer, he was up at five every morning and had his routine throughout the day. And in his professional work, and to this day, he's at his office at six in the morning. He takes his half hour lunch break and he doesn't leave the office until six at night. And that's why he's been successful all these years is because he puts in the time. 
I do joke with him that uh, his hobby is, in fact, work, uh, because that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, but, uh, but it's that dedication to something else that, uh, that really rubbed off on me, and I thought, you know, I could apply this to my children. And he's been a fantastic dad, and he's, he's an even better grandfather. Uh, the girls absolutely love him. Uh, and uh, just very fortunate to have that kind of structure set up in our life. But uh, getting back to where this all started, you know, just it just to me seemed shameful that I had this opportunity to raise my kids and and turn my back on it. It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So how going back to that a little bit when you did have that job offer and you were maybe mulling that how how long was the process of that decision and and what kind of went into that of I'm not going to do this I'm going to be a stay-at-home dad and was there also the involvement of if I do take this job you know what were what were your your guys other options for the parenting or looking over the I think she, you said she was eight months at that time or so. Right. Well, we certainly investigated daycare and there were, it's, it's not cheap. Um, and of course, as you noted at the time, it was, it was just the one child and, and, and the job offer was, uh, was a, was a respectable one, but, uh, uh, it, it involved probably a 25 to 30 minute one way commute. It was in another community. And investing that kind of time traveling, so you just have lots of treacherous weather conditions, and then you have to factor in dropping your child off, and then who's going to cook, you know, how are we going to handle the daily functions of the house, and it just wasn't making a lot of sense. It didn't take me a long time. I think I took two days with it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I sat down and I talked with my wife, and and she just looked at me and said, this is all you. She said, uh, I support you either way. I'm not here to, to change your mind or to, or to somehow push you in a particular direction. She just asked me, you know, where, where is your passion at this point? I said, my passion really lies with, with our family. And that pretty much sealed it at that point. I'm sure she, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about this. There, there is such a different dynamic to the stay at home dad versus the stay at home mom. And like some of those things that you touched on of people kind of asking all those questions and looking at you like you uh, are a strange creature for doing that. (laughs) And over the years, honestly, it's gotten much better. And I I just think uh, it's just kind of a society's outlook on that. Uh, And you know, my, my grandparents who, you know, uh, my, my dad's dad, you know, who farmed for all those years. And what did grandma do? She cooked and she cleaned and she reared the children. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I was going to, I was grandpa going to take this when I tell him I'm a stay at home dad is, am I going to get some strange looks? Am I going to get a lecture? And, and he, he couldn't have had a, a more warm embrace about what I was doing and about how it was benefiting the family, uh, which was just uh, wonderful to hear. 
Uh, and when I interact with other people, it, it's, it's really enjoyable. I, you know, stay at home dads, stay at home moms, they're all around here. We have several in the neighborhood. Uh, you know, a lot of times I'll, I don't do daddy daycare, but I have no problems with uh, the girls as friends coming over for an extended period of time. If uh, one of, one of the neighborhood's parents have a, a particular need, uh, it's just kind of a, just, uh, it's just the, the, the parent in me, uh, that, that nurturing side, um, that, uh, that appeals to me. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable. And I know my wife always says, you know, I could never do that. I'm saying, well, of course you could never do that because then we wouldn't have any money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but, yeah. Uh, but, uh, from a, uh, from a mental perspective, my wife loves to be busy all the time. She's structured and I am too, to a certain degree, but I don't mind having downtime here and there, but she just needs to have things lined up. Well, she sees patients all day. So that's taken care of. And, and that fits her needs. Me, I like to dabble in things. Uh, sometimes I probably do become a little too uh, involved in my Twitter escapades. Uh, but, uh, but again, that's, that's, my, that's my outlet. But uh, there are certainly uh, a lot of activities uh, in the area that I take the girls to as well. And uh, uh, I take some me time. I I like working out. I go to the gym every day. They have a daycare there so the kids can, uh, kids have something to do there uh, while we're there in the summertime. And of course, when the kids are at school, uh, I almost feel like I'm cheating at my job uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm completely by myself. And that's usually when my wife expects my level of output to be at its highest. Uh, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but that's life. But uh, I also train in Taekwondo. I, 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 find, I find outlets now that uh, I never did before because they weren't available. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, there are ways to, for, for me to keep busy. But, you know, there are uh, lots, of, lots of household projects and the, uh, and the, uh, the ever-popular honey-do lists. Yes. Um, I, am, I am the keeper of honey-do lists. Uh, and... And, and that's, and that's, and that's fine too. And that's honestly what makes, uh, home life so much easier is getting those lists done. So when my wife comes home, it's one less thing she has to worry about. That's kind of my angle there as far as my relationship with her, as opposed to, as, as opposed to my duties with my kids, just so she can come home, sit down, eat a meal, and then not have to worry about anything. That's yeah. when I know I've done my job. Yeah. Do you dread the summer when the school is out and the kids are just home and being very bored and needing to create things or is, is it not that way for you? There's a certain level of anxiety. Um, those first few days, like what are we going to do? My, mm-hmm. my schedule, everything is flipped upside down. Um, you know, how are we, how are we going to handle this? Will I be okay? Um, emotionally and, and mentally, uh, the transition is pretty easy and it gets easier every year. Charlotte is nine and a half. Um, you know, Elena six, Adelaide's four. I mean, they're pretty good ages right now. They take care of each other. Uh, for the most part, they're responsible, but they have lapses just like 
any child, any child would. Um, but we, I try to have somewhat of a routine as far as what we do in the morning and what we do in the afternoon. Uh, it's not anything overly structured, but, uh, but it works. And if the girls want to sleep in a little bit and I can do something else around the house, Hey, that's okay too. Um, but, uh, it, it, it hasn't been a problem. I, there's just a lot of freedom. If we want to go, if we want to go visit my parents and grandparents, it's an hour away. We hop in the van and we go. Um, and, and that's, I think what's of tremendous benefit to me is having family nearby. Mm-hmm. Did everything go as planned with you? How long were you married before you started having the kids? Did that kind of go down the road you had planned? Had you always planned on having three? It really did. It was, it was fairly well scripted. Uh, we were young when we were married. I was 23 and she was 22. And, but with her, all of her schooling that was required, we knew it was going to be some time before we were going to have kids, which was fine. We, we accepted that. And, um, born, uh, we were, we had been married for about six and a half years before we had our first child. And that was on purpose. And then the other two were, were planned. Uh, so I, I guess, yes, everything pretty much went according to script, which is, which does run contrary to this podcast namesake. But, uh, if there was one thing in life that was scripted for us, it was that. That's nice though. That's, that's always a nice little feeling to have things go as planned. Oh, absolutely. Um, careers were very important to both of us and, and we made sure that, uh, that we had a clear path to follow for our careers and, and, and both went well. And, um, and yeah, Charlotte was planned right Right when we wanted, uh, at the toward the end of her third, third and final year of residency, um, and she was able to bank time uh, by working that much more during her first two years. Um, so she kind of have, had an abbreviated third year with all the time she had banked in the prior two years, and then uh, just kind of wound up on on maternity leave those last few months uh, until. Uh, until it was time for uh, for graduation for completion. So, did you uh, do you think you ever at all thought that this might be the way that your parenting with your wife would ever go? Was this discussed during that time, or was it completely like just the way it kind of happened? It was just kind of a natural evolution. I think if you would have asked me when we got married in 2000, would you ever consider being a stay at home dad? I probably would have given you a look. Mm -hmm. Um, The look that you're now getting from people. Right. Exactly. I'm like, I'm going to work. You know, my dad works, you know, they, you know, mom works. We, we work. Well, uh, I, I have a career I want, to pursue. And, and I did that. And like I said, when we, when we came back and we, we found, we found the, you know, it's the, the quintessential American dream, you know, having that good job, 
finding that perfect home, which we did when we moved back, and then having children. And when we moved back, I, I looked at work very much differently than what I did before we had children. You know, it was it was exciting to push myself to excel and to be to be a contributing member of society uh, in the workforce. But of course, there are many ways that we can contribute. And I quickly realized that uh, that my path was going to have to diverge and go down a road that I'm now on uh, with being a stay-at-home parent. It just it just made all the sense in the world. I didn't I didn't want to leave that. I really felt that if anyone could do an effective job of raising my children, it should be me. Uh, there's certainly nothing prohibiting me from going back at some point. But these are just years, moments that I'm never going to get back. And not everyone has that opportunity. Uh, so I felt uh, from that perspective that it would just be something that I would, that I would squander. And, and that's something I did not want to do. Uh, so that's why I'm here. Since you kind of touched on that, or when Adelaide is in school full time, do you know what your uh, move or movement will be at that time? I think there's something out there. It's, it's just a matter of time. I'm just, I'm just not at that point yet. Um, you know, Adelaide has, like I said, that one, this one last year of preschool. And I would probably consider doing something when she enters first grade. So a couple of years from now, uh, Yeah. but, but who knows what, uh, will come up in the interim. I'm certainly not going to shut any doors, but, uh, I really enjoy the flexibility being able to do what I need to, when I need to, and uh, just taking care of all the needs of the house and not being bogged down by, uh, by other obligations. It really isn't so much for, uh, for the money as it, as it is just, just for the sanity. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, of, of finding, of finding something to do. So. Yeah. No, I know we talk about that every once in a while here and talk about how, excited my wife will be to go back to work when she's able to, which is still, you know, our son is, uh, in pre preschool. So he's still a couple years off. And even then, like it's, you know, you're trying to fit it in, in between them going to school, which I, I take currently drop Delilah off at school in the morning when she's in school before I go to work and uh, I don't know how we would split all that up. We haven't really gotten there yet, but it's still trying to fit it into their school hours, which is a semi-minimal day. So we'll see. I know people obviously do it, but uh, we'll figure out how that works. We we are in the same boat. We're, we try to avoid at all costs uh, any kind of daycare or anything because it just, like you said, it's, it's expensive and it ends up being that conversation that I know we've basically had from the beginning. And I know so many parents have where it just ends up in so many cases being a wash. So like, what's the point? It, it is that if I'm going to be working to pay for childcare and it's going to be a wash or somewhat close to it, why why do I want my kids to be parented by somebody else during all of those hours when it could just be me? Absolutely. I, 
and that that's been my rationale the whole time. And I'm I'm just glad I have a couple of years here because because Adelaide's still only four, so it's still in that really fun phase. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm nostalgic in that respect too. I, it's like I don't I don't want to let go of this. I know at some point she's just going to be you know, too old and, and they're going to have activities. They already have activities outside of the school day. I don't want to make that transition until, uh, until I know that, uh, that there's that much less for me to do here. Yeah. And it's, it's such a relationship builder. I mean, the, I know there is, a, there is a very good reason that there is the cliche of, daddy's little girl or a daddy's girl and a mama's boy. And, uh, with Delilah, the, even the two years or so that we spent together at home and, uh, you know, it wasn't like we were glued at the hip the whole time, but we basically were. And, and I think that that established such a strong relationship with us that kind of, carries a special bond now. And I, I have to remind myself of where that is now. Like when she really, really is like aching for daddy daughter time basically. And, you know, I can tell when she is asking for us to spend part of a weekend together or whatever, that it is something that kind of harkens back to what our relationship was established on and it's not like she had that semi-typical growing up phase of always being with mommy and daddy being at work all the time and you know seeing me for the couple of hours before she goes to bed it was exactly the opposite so absolutely and i mean my girls they're a pretty good blend of 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 daddy's girl but they're you know but they're they love their mom. Um, and, uh, I think they can only take so much of me in a day. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, you know, mom's the novelty when we're here together. It's great. It's fun. It's exciting. I'm able to help them. They're able to help me. We enjoy our day. But when, when, when mom comes home, daddy is just over in his own little world. Yeah. Um, I, I am the forgotten I'm the forgotten person, yeah. Which I, which I get, you know. That's that, that that's what happens when one of the parents is, is a novelty, and uh, unfortunately, it's it's a little overwhelming for my wife. I mean, she just you know, all three of them just just uh, converge upon her. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like predator and prey. Um, it, it's frightening at times. I mean, they just come in and attack, and uh, you know, and then they need their time. And usually, when that happens, I'm putting the finishing touches on supper. Um, so then we can sit down and eat. And, uh, and sometimes I, I let myself do this, but I just, I, I kind of disengage from the girls because I just like, I guess you don't need me anymore, but uh, yeah, I become forgetful that sometimes, you know, my wife still needs a few minutes just to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, I don't think about that enough and I had your side of it for so long. And now when I do come home, uh, my daughter isn't as much, you know, I'm not as much a novelty to her, I think. Uh, but when I come home, my son is just, you know, 
kooky for having me home and he gets so frustrated when I leave to work and I think he kind of gets the weekdays but even um gets the the idea of a week and what weekdays are and weekend days are and uh even just this morning he asked me when we came down from upstairs and said are you going to work today and I said yeah it's it's uh Wednesday today and he got so frustrated and started throwing a couple of toys and just laid down on the couch and was just angry that it wasn't a weekend. Um, and he, the opposite when it's Saturday and he asks me that question and says, are you going to work? And I say, no, it's Saturday. He just gets so excited that I'm going to be around all day or whatever. So, uh, there is definitely that novelty that, uh, I know you're, wife goes probably goes back and forth with that uh wanting a little bit of time after being having her full day even though you've had your full day with the kids you know she still has had her full day of work and then trying to basically unload everything from work which maybe didn't get to happen during the drive home and then being able to put on that completely different hat of being there for the kids for the whatever couple of hours before they all go to bed. It's a parenting is a friggin' process. It's very intricate and people will look at me and say, well, you have all girls. So, you know, you don't have to deal with the needs of another gender. And I'm like, well, although that's true, I mean, regardless of gender, I, I have three children with three very unique personalities yeah. And, uh, and you have to be able to negotiate with them and they're on different levels. I can't negotiate with Charlotte as a nine-year-old the same way I negotiate with Adelaide as a four-year-old. Right. Um, you know, and I, I can't, and level of expectation. Um, you know, I can't expect my four-year-old to do what my nine-year-old does. Although sometimes I think my four-year-old can be more responsible than my nine-year-old at times. <laughs> right. uh, and, and that's just, that's just childhood dynamics. And that's to me, what's really fun about, about being a dad. I can say that now as, as we uh, converse casually, but when you're in that, when you're in that moment, you're, you, you don't have that, uh, that kind of levity. Uh, it just, uh, it, it gets it gets frustrating at times, but uh, it's really their differences and and your ability to work with them that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. I think we've kind of gone through the fathering uh, side of Austin fully. Um, I know there's probably things that we didn't uncover, but that's always going to be the case. So. I will say uh, thank you very much for being on this podcast with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And uh, we will wrap this one up. Do you want to give out your Twitter handle for people who aren't connected to you to look you up and enjoy your um, pulling out of your hair during certain Red Sox games and um, other such things? Well, if uh, anyone is interested in, in making themselves privy to the madness, my uh, Twitter handle is at Ike, E-I-C-H underscore A-J. 
You'll, you'll, you'll find uh, probably more than you would ever want to know uh, on my Twitter page. Uh, obviously, I'm sports-centric, but I really do enjoy tweeting about being a dad. Uh, I like taking ridiculous pictures, whether it's of me or of my kids or sometimes all of us together. Um, and I'm always happy to, to connect with people in that format. Cool. All right. So everybody, uh, you can follow Austin on Twitter and, uh, you will be able to, it will probably be a couple episodes after this. You will be able to access and listen to our fork in the road, which will probably be 98% sports related. So for those of you who don't love sports, you should still listen because it's going to be entertaining. But for uh, those of you sports fans, uh, this will be your opportunity to really kind of dig into that a little bit. So uh, we will switch into that mode next. Excellent. All right. And that's the end of that episode with Austin and myself. I hope you guys enjoyed that little different twist on the fatherhood side with a stay-at-home dad. Uh, Definitely a good story and his background with his family and whatnot. It's obviously very different from uh, a lot of my life and I know a lot of you who are our normal listeners probably very different from the way that your lives paths have gone. So I think it's always good to have that kind of different flavor on the show. Again, you can find Austin on Twitter at Ike, E-I-C-H, underscore A-J. Uh, you can find Daddy Unscripted on Twitter at Daddy Unscripted. We're also under the same name on Facebook. And you can find the podcast on, if you already haven't, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Uh, would love to get some uh, feedback from you guys as well as some information on who you guys would like to hear as guests on the show. We'd like to kind of branch out, continue to branch out. We've got some great guests coming in with this next little burst of recordings that I've got set up for this next month or so. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but you'll have to wait and see how those pan out. Again, I know you can leave reviews for me on iTunes, which is awesome. But any longer uh, comment that you'd like to make, you can send to me at daddyunscripted at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. Love to hear your input on what you think of the show so far, as well as any guests that you have in mind, whether that's your husband or yourself or uh, somebody that you know. You can even bounce out some of those ideas, like you've all heard me talk about wanting to get Matt Damon on the show. Nothing wrong with that. Throw out some of those names and we'll see what we can do. So thanks again for listening and hope you enjoyed the show.